I've been trying to answer this question for 10 years. So 10 years ago, I was working on an idea for a tech business, and I wanted my startup to revolutionize transportation. I was in business school, and I was lucky that my professor was a guy named Steve Blank. If you know one thing about entrepreneurship, then you know the book The Lean Startup, written by Eric Ries. This book has become the conventional toolkit for founders. If you know two things about entrepreneurship, then you know Steve Blank. The introduction of The Lean Startup credits Steve as the origin of many of the book's methodologies. So 10 years ago, I'm sitting in Steve Blank's class. I'm working on my startup. Steve and the other professors keep telling me my idea sucks. And they're right. But nobody could tell me why. Nobody could tell me why my idea sucked. That's been the question that I've been obsessed with for the last 10 years. Since that class, I've created tons more startups. I've advised over 100 other founders. And I'm just really focused on this question of why. Specifically, how can a founder know whether their startup idea is a distraction or an opportunity worth pursuing? How do you know if your idea sucks? If this question is interesting to you, then you're in the right place. My passion for creating my own startups, for mentoring other founders, and for this question of why has led me to a project that I'm calling Nascent Startups. How to spend your first 100 days and $100 when you have an idea for a tech business. Welcome to the Nascent Startups podcast. I'm your host, Mike Vladimir. Here we talk about nascent stage startups, not early stage, not scaling. My definition of a nascent startup is a founder with the kernel of a business idea, but no customers, no product, and no funding. A nascent stage startup is a project of exploration constrained by minimal resources. Those hundred days and those hundred dollars really do matter. By contrast, an early stage startup has initial customers, product, and funding. To be clear, the nascent stage is not simply a smaller version of the early stage. If you're a founder of a startup that has no customers, you have totally different challenges from a founder of a startup that has customers. So you need different strategies to overcome your unique challenges. Here, we're only talking about the challenges you're facing at the nascent stage. The term startups is pretty broad, so let's zoom in because some people describe any new business as a startup. The most straightforward type of new business has clear customers and products. For example, pizza shops and laundromats. Essentially, if you're a founder and you want to create this type of business, you're trying to make a reasonably tasty pizza or clean laundry. To do this, you can learn most of what you need to know from established experts. These conventional businesses don't really require a disruptive breakthrough. To me, these are small businesses, not startups, because the founders don't need to teach themselves anything new. Then there are biotech and deep tech startups, things like that, where you're chasing established expensive problems that need a compelling new solution. There are definitely customers waiting for a startup to deliver a teleportation device or a cure for cancer. It's just that the technologies haven't been invented yet, so there's no experts to learn from. Instead, you as a founder need to spend lots of time and money to discover a breakthrough technology. Founders of these tech-heavy startups want to create the next ChatGPT, and they need to invest millions of dollars to make any progress. This podcast focuses on startups where the founder is trying to discover a new type of customer, not a new technology. Basically, founders like you want to create the next Uber or Airbnb. 
As a founder, your first challenge is finding a pain point worth solving. In this case, you need to teach yourself something new about people and their pain. Founders face a long, difficult journey in creating these businesses. I am only focusing on the very beginning of that journey, which I'm calling a nascent startup. Again, that's when the founder has the kernel of an idea, but no customers, no product, and no funding. All of my startups and all of the founders I've ever mentored have only ever had nascent startups. So you might be thinking, there are hundreds of books on startups, thousands of websites, a ton of podcasts. Why is there anything more to talk about? Well, from what I've seen, most startup advice is focused on how founders can grow their early stage startup to achieve an exit. In other words, there are tons of resources for startups that have customers. I haven't seen great resources for nascent startups with no customers. So filling that gap is my goal here. Honestly, I don't have all the answers yet. I'm still searching, but I do think we have a great starting point. We have these, these really interesting questions. So the first question that I really want to address with nascent startups, is something I've heard a million times, and I don't think there's today a slam dunk clear answer. You have an idea for a tech startup. Now what? <laughs> I believe that the best first step for a founder with a startup idea is to determine quickly and cheaply whether the idea is a distraction or an opportunity worth pursuing. So how do you do that? <laughs> Basically, my uh, answer to the first question is the second question. So my goal with this podcast is to document the journey that I'm on, that I hope you'll join me for in pursuing answers to these questions. For me, that journey began about five years ago. Like I said, I've been mentoring lots of founders through UC Berkeley, through Alchemist Accelerator. A lot of these mentees of mine have found my advice especially useful. So I decided to start taking notes with the intention of writing a book. Today, I have 130 pages of raw notes and the book has evolved into a newsletter and podcast, which can be boiled down to a joke from the movie Dumb and Dumber. So if you remember, Jim Carrey says to Lauren Holly, what are the chances of a guy like me getting with a girl like you? Not good like one in a hundred? She responds, eh, more like one in a million. Jim Carrey thinks about it and says, so you're saying there's a chance. It's funny because he's dumb and he doesn't realize the difference between one in a hundred and one in a million. What's sad about that joke in the context of nascent startups is that most founders have no sense whether they're pursuing a one in a hundred or a one in a million idea. This is exactly what was happening to me 10 years ago when I was in Steve Blank's class. And it happens all the time to founders that I mentor today. This joke is another way to frame the challenge that I'm trying to address with nascent startups. How can we help founders figure out, yes, I'm pursuing a one in a hundred opportunity or no, this is a one in a million distraction. Let me let it go and find something better to work on. I've organized my ideas around this challenge into three parts, the anti-playbook, exploration, and evaluation. Before we get into those three parts, I just wanna talk about one of the big ideas underlying nascent startups, which is that funding used to be super important, but today I strongly believe that funding is no longer important at the nascent stage. So 20 years ago, founders focused on securing investment because Funding was that mission critical step for their startup. Without funding, the startup basically had no chance of success. This is what made investors so important. And you can see that legacy still today. Many entrepreneurship programs still culminate in founders pitching investors. 
I believe that for nascent startups, funding is no longer important and that investors are honestly just distractions at the nascent stage. Specifically, any importance that investors had evaporated on April 23rd, 2015. That was the day that Amazon first released revenue results for Amazon Web Services, for AWS. Up until that point, people had a good sense that cloud infrastructure was important, but nobody could really know for sure. I went back and I looked at the headlines from that day, and it's just everywhere, shock, amazement, how much money Amazon was making from AWS. And underpinning all of that revenue was that AWS made technology incredibly affordable. So before April 2015, you could have argued that you needed a lot more than $100 for your nascent startup. Since then, it's obviously not the case. Cloud services are cheap. There's tons of no-code and low-code tools, and a lot of them are even free at first. Funding at the nascent stage just isn't important. Instead, today, the mission-critical step for founders is figuring out whether an idea for a tech business is an opportunity worth pursuing. In other words, is there a good chance that if I keep going with my startup, I'm, it's going to wind up having lots of customers? To answer that question, the founder needs to search for people in pain. You should think of this as a funnel because only a subset of the people in pain that you find will ever convert to become your customers of your startup. So at the nascent stage, as you're looking for people in pain, that's going to give you an early indication of whether your startup idea is an opportunity worth pursuing or a distraction. So now that we've reframed the role of funding and what the focus of founders should be at the nascent stage, let's come back to those two questions and three-part answer at the core of nascent startups. Again, the questions are, you have an idea for a tech startup, now what? I believe that your first step should be to determine quickly and cheaply whether the idea is a distraction or an opportunity worth pursuing. So how do you do that? With nascent startups, we think we have a three-part answer anti-playbook, exploration, and evaluation. Let's dig in. So number one, anti-playbook. The anti-playbook is basically a list of mistakes that I've seen founders do at the nascent stage. These are mistakes because they're actions that founders are taking that are not advancing the project. They're definitely not helping them figure out whether they're chasing a one in a hundred opportunity or a one in a million distraction. A big problem for founders is that most startup advice is for early stage startups with customers. The Lean Startup is a great example and it's the most common. I went back and reread the introduction section of the book, which essentially says, our customers stopped using our product and our investors stopped giving us funding. Here's how we overcame those challenges. By definition, those challenges with customers and product and funding don't apply to nascent stage startups. This is why I believe that your nascent stage startup needs an on-ramp to the lean startup and other methodologies that are targeted at early startups. To give some specific examples, no, don't try to build a minimum viable product. An MVP is minimally viable to which customers? No, don't try to find product market fit. In 2006, Mark Andreessen defined product market fit as, quote, the market pulls product out of the startup. Essentially, he says that your startup grows because customers tell their friends. But by definition, your nascent stage startup has no customers, so this is impossible. To be clear, I'm not against founders building MVPs or aiming for product market fit altogether. It probably makes sense at 
at the early stage when they have some customers. But for nascent startups, it's a mistake to pursue these unattainable goals. At my latest count, the anti-playbook has 35 mistakes to avoid and the list keeps growing. The second part of nascent startups is exploration. So you have an idea for a tech startup. It's just the kernel of an idea. You know that your idea is not perfect. You know that your idea is going to evolve. I believe that almost all of your effort at the nascent stage should be searching for people in pain. This is different from the approach that most founders today take when they want to test a hypothesis to validate that they've discovered customers. Hypothesis testing and customer discovery were breakthroughs 20 years ago when Eric Ries and Steve Blank first introduced the concepts. Back then in the early 2000s, once a founder had an idea for a tech business, their first step was to pitch investors, to tell a compelling story about the world to come once the founder's hypothesis was proven true. After securing funding, the founder would run customer discovery and get out of the building to validate the hypothesis. After all, that hypothesis, that narrow idea, was what the investor bet on. Today, it's different. Today, founders of nascent startups really can benefit from reframing customer discovery, which is this narrow idea, as searching for people in pain much more broadly. Yes, customers are critical. If you have a startup, you will ultimately want to have some customers. But at the nascent stage, customers don't apply because customers are at the bottom of the conversion funnel. The top of the conversion funnel, the thing that you care about right now, is discovering people in pain. Talking about customer discovery in business, to me, sounds like talking about spouse discovery in romance. We call it dating for a reason. With exploration, founders should date their idea. And then in the evaluation phase, they should decide whether they want to keep dating the idea. Yes, you know, just like when you're, you're, you're single looking to get married, marriage might be a long-term prospect, but if you're worried about marriage on every first date you go on, it's going to really limit your success rate. And it's the same with uh, dating a startup idea. It's just too soon to worry about whether this is the idea for the rest of your life. There's tremendous benefit to reframing customer discovery as searching for people in pain. By approaching an idea with curiosity and possibility, it allows you to learn and for the idea to evolve and improve. As founders, it's our nature to say, I want to build an app to solve this problem. That's a great starting point. Big fan. When that happens, what I want founders to do is what I'm calling disideation. Take your idea and break it into two parts. Literally write the two parts down on two different post-its. Take your idea for your app. I know if you're anything like anyone I've ever mentored, you've got all these great ideas for your app. Write them on the post-it, stick it in a drawer, put it away for now. We don't want to worry about it. What really matters is the post-it where you have in your mind very loosely, who are the people in pain that you want to help? Because at this stage, the most important thing you could do is to really understand deeply who those people are. I want you to think about exploration as a search for pain not for problems. Everyone has problems. Problems aren't acute. What you're searching for are people with excruciating, valuable pain. So we've covered anti-playbook and exploration. The last part of the three-part answer is evaluation. This is another part of nascent startups that I'm really passionate about, I'm really excited about. I think this is something new. At the nascent stage, I believe that you, the founder, you own your own destiny. No, you do not need to ask permission from investors or from co-founders. 
Instead, after you've invested 100 days and $100 in exploration, take off your founder hat and put on your investor hat. I wanna work with you to analyze the data that you've gathered so that you can look at it and say, based on what I've found so far, is there a good reason to believe that this idea is a one in a million distraction or a one in a hundred opportunity worth pursuing? I can't express strongly enough how much I believe that it's important for founders to own their own fate. I've had so many people I've worked with say, eh, I gave up on my startup because I couldn't get funding. Before April 2015, maybe you could have made that argument, but that's no longer true. The only people founders are, are beholding to at, at this stage in 2024 is ourselves. So these are the three parts of the nascent startups journey. The anti-playbook, lots of stuff not to do. Exploration, search for those people in pain. And then evaluation. Do you have reason to believe that the idea is an opportunity worth pursuing? If so, then maybe you wanna go full bore on customer discovery and try to make this project into a business. Because right now, while it's nascent, it's just a project, and that's great. So let's talk about us. You, the audience, and me, the host. So you're probably wondering, who is this guy, Mike Vladimir, and why is he the right person to guide me in nascent startups? Well, when it comes to startups, three words encapsulate me. Create, collaborate, and communicate. To me, create means market research, customer interviews, rapid prototyping, trying to figure out as quickly and cheaply as possible whether an idea is worth pursuing. This is the essence of my job in, in corporate innovation. Collaborate means helping other founders navigate that same type of challenge with their startups. Communicate is about simplifying an idea so that's intuitive and obvious to any audience, whether they're executives, engineers, finance folks, whoever. I feel really great when people say to me, of course this is how it works. How could it be any other way? Well, it took a lot of skill to be able to make it seem so obvious. The fact that somebody takes what I'm saying for granted to me is a huge pat on the back. So my background specifically is, you know, in college I studied electrical engineering, which showed me how to identify invisible things and harness their power. You know, nobody has ever seen an electron, but engineers have harnessed the power of electrons so that you can hear me today. And I see a direct parallel with startups where pain is the invisible force that founders are trying to harness. We're gonna get into this more in future episodes, but what matters right now is that one of the most crucial factors facing your nascent startups, it's invisible. It's the pain that people have. And so recognizing that it's invisible is really important to your ability to harness that pain and use it to help grow your startup. I began my career as a research engineer, and then I pursued entrepreneurship and corporate innovation for the last 20 years. In fact, a series of failed nascent stage startups are what led me to business school and Steve Blank's class in the first place. With all my startups, I've only ever worked on the nascent stage. I've never raised money. I've never scaled my revenue 10X year over year. I definitely don't have any billion dollar exits. I can't speak about that experience because I don't have it. What I do have is pain a lot of personal frustration, pulling my hair out, God, I love this and I hate this so much, all at the same time pain. Being a founder is hard and I enjoy it so much. And that probably sounds counterintuitive, but if you're nodding your head because it resonates with you, then welcome to the club. Part of why I wanna share this through a podcast and newsletter on Substack is that I love the idea of building in public. Uh, I've never really built anything in public before, so this is my first attempt. Glad to have you along. Speaking of you, let's talk about you, the audience. 
nascent startups. This podcast is for anybody interested in this core question. You have an idea for a tech startup. Now what? Of course, that includes founders, but also educators, people who run startup accelerators, folks working in corporate innovation. Given this broad audience, the persona that I have in mind on this startup podcast is the persona who I think is the most confused and needs the most help, the first-time founder. I've been a first-time founder. I've worked with a ton of first-time founders. I have the deepest appreciation for somebody who wants to create something from nothing. I, I think it's just such an amazing, magical, wonderful thing to do. Every time I do it, there's something in my soul that feels fulfilled. For first-time founders, I believe that they're facing a challenge a lot like the parable of the blind men and the elephant. So these blind men are touching an elephant, trying to figure out what it is. One guy grabs the trunk and he goes, oh, I know what this is, it's a snake. Another guy grabs a leg and goes, no, 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 it's a tree. And of course they're all wrong because they don't understand how these individual pieces relate to the big picture. It's too complex. With first-time founders, my goal is to help you overcome that complexity. So one thing I'm gonna be doing on this podcast is talking about startups in very, very black and white terms. I'm gonna say things like, all we care about is pain and no, don't build a product. For the more seasoned entrepreneurs in the audience, you might wanna you know, shout at me, you're oversimplifying, what about this edge case? You're correct, I'm definitely oversimplifying because I'm trying to help first time founders. I'm gonna keep everything here super simple. If something is true 80% of the time, I'm gonna say it's always true. <laughs> I'm gonna tell founders never to build a product at the nascent stage because I know that they're gonna build something anyhow, but by telling them not to build right now, I'm helping them avoid the trap of building too much. So where are we today? Uh, today is Thursday, February 1st, 2024. My partner on this nascent startups project is a guy named Adam. We just launched our first cohort together of founders applying these ideas to their startups. I believe that the most important accomplishment that we could possibly have with nascent startups is gonna be measurably improving the experience of founders such that we reduce the time and money that they spend on distractions and that they are able to increase their chances of success. So in that sense, this first cohort is definitely the most important piece of the project. Other stuff that's happening, I got to speak on the Productized podcast. I've interviewed a few successful founders about their experiences at the nascent stage and excited to publish those podcasts soon. So yeah, this is early days. I am super excited to be here. I'm really excited to have you along. Please like, subscribe, share, all that fun stuff. But most importantly, if you know anybody who's interested in this question, you've got an idea for a tech startup, now what? please let them know about nascent startups. I'd love to talk to them. I'd love for them to be part of the community, part of this journey. And I really look forward to having you around. Thanks so much. And as promised, here's the shout out to Al Lipow. Thanks, bye.